Hey everyone, we're back with another episode of Find Your Film. This is for the week covering Friday, March 4th, 2022. We just completed an episode of Cinematics. If you want to hear us talking about the first two weeks, previewing the first two weeks of March 2022, check out our Cinematics podcast feed. But here on Find Your Film, we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive on two movies that interest both of us. These movies are called Huda's Salon and The Long Walk. Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, I'm going to be fake. How, how are you guys doing? Even though I, I kind of know we've been talking last hour. Eric Holmes, I'm going to start with you with fake conversation. Fake convo. How are you been? I'm doing really good. We just recorded an episode of Cinematics, and that always brightens my month. Okay, fake conversation. Bruce Perky, seen any good movies lately, Bruce? I have seen, yes, I have seen today one of the bloodiest movies I've ever seen in my life, and that's saying something. Okay, I don't know if we're going to mention this on Find Your Film, but while, while we're at it, can you actually allude to what you saw, the bloody, what, should they see it? Let's hear it. What, or is it going to be in your recommendations? Am, am I, uh... It'll be next week, probably, but let's just say it's a very famous French extremity movie, and it's very bloody. Were you grossed out? Were you getting nauseous? You could, were you able to stomach some of the stuff that was going on? Is it more intense and ir- irreversible? Uh, it's it's in that ballpark. Uh, I was able to stomach it, but let's just say the main character was not able to stomach it. Oh, jeez. I can't even... There's a lot of images that are going through my noggin right now. Anyways, Eric, you you have some... I like that. By the way, for, for our listeners, you can actually check us out on, on our, either the Deepest Dream YouTube channel or Cinematics and Find Your Film YouTube channel. We have different stuff going on in there. I like the purple look that you have in there, the purple lights. Is, yeah. Do you like... Yeah, you like... Yeah. I, I had to go a little... Uh, I had to get a little PETA beta test flavor today. So that's what I went with. Pete, a beta test. Why is Pete always showing up on our podcast feed? Well, Bruce, do you have something with uh, Pete going on? What's going on with Pete? Are you he cheating might... on me and Eric? What's going uh, on with this? Well, there's two things going on. First of all, my kid got challenged to watch a terrible movie by him. So my kid's going to be appearing on the next middle-class film class. They also, for the same episode, randomly picked the movie that I had suggested, uh, the, uh, the Night of the Beast, I believe is what it's called. And then um, we... Might be teaming up myself and Peter Beta on an inaugural segment, which I haven't even mentioned to either of you yet. Do you, you want to mention it right now to our listeners? Sure. Or are you going to keep it on the. Oh, okay, good. I'm excited. Uh, I call it <laughs> Flash Pod, is what I call it. Flash and Pod. Okay. What it is, is uh, on a particular day or a night when I just happen to be around and have nothing to do, I might just put a call out to the world and say, hey, who's seen a movie that they really want to talk about recently? And if they say, I have, and it's a movie I've seen, I will say, okay, here's a Zoom link. We'll pop on. I'll put a 15-minute timer on, and we'll talk about that movie. No notes. Ooh, no plan. Really? Okay. And where does this, And you get to do that for with a MF, uh, middle-class film class crew, or just Pete, you and Pete? Uh, or Pete or you, and I might, Pete and I might be doing the inaugural episode, so it'll be a little less uh, spontaneous. Yeah. But he has challenged himself to watch um, Irreversible, Inside, yes. and Martyrs all Jesus. in a row. What? Wait, so whoa. yeah, so I'm gonna probably, uh, uh, you know, I guess just give him a counseling session, probably for 15 minutes. <laughs> That's that, what I'll be doing. That, or maybe have him watch Single all the way after that three Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Bring them down a lot. You mean jingle all the way or single all the way? No, single see, it's all- like it, it's like jingle all the way, but they're single, so it's single all the way. There's, you know, I actually there is a real movie called Single All the Way, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't there? Yeah, it was on my top five of last year. <laughs> 
They were top 10 the last year. <laughs> top 10 the last year. Okay. Well, that's a very flash pod. Uh, is this going to be a recurring kind of thing? That is it, or, you know, just, it's inaugural. Well, it's going to be like a flash mob. You never know what's going to happen. So you just have to be out and keeping your eyes open. And all of a sudden, you see the call out. If you see the, the flash bat go into the sky, you have to answer the call. The flash bat. I, do, I will not participate in this inaugural flash pod because Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes knows that I only see one. The only dates I actually see movies are on the day we actually record the podcast. And for some reason, I end up watching five to six movies in a row. And I walked in my room for about 20 hours. This is not, I should not be doing this every single week. But ultimately, that is how, that is a little bit peek behind my, my not even curtain, my little small little hole in the, in the universe. I actually cram all my movies in. Eric Holmes, do you cram all the movies that were signed every week? To the, to the night before or do you spread it out or do you watch it just on the first night like Bruce and just have a seven or eight day leeway on us how do, what is your what is your uh, I, rhythm I, I like to I like to spread the movie like a, like a creamy spread of peanut butter oh. and some uh, rye bread actually rye bread's terrible with peanut you know, butter rye so. bread you rye bread and, and peanut no no pb no, and rye I, no I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. the weird thing is rye bread's pretty gross um, what? Uh, corned beef, not great. And uh, <laughs> sauerkraut, not great. Thousand Island what? dressing, probably one of the worst dressings. But for some reason, when you cram all four of those together, it makes a delicious sandwich. And I don't understand how that works. That is very good. Wow. Bruce, yeah. Can, I just wanted to circle back around and ask Greg or deep dive a little bit with Greg about how he crams all his movies into his hole. How does that work exactly? <laughs> okay. You know, the good thing is I'm glad you didn't mention that on Cinematics because Cinematics is a family show. I can, you know, thanks to you, your potty mouth, Bruce, and Eric's Eric's potty mouth, I have to actually, when I'm doing the editing the show on Buzzsprout, I have to check the explicit thing every single every single second. So that is my way of saying- Fuck I yeah, will, you do. You fucking have to <laughs> check that <laughs> box. Yeah. And you know what? But here, know, but here we can say stuff like jism. And it's cool. Right. Like which we kind of did over in cinematics, but I'm glad. Thank you, Bruce, for sidestepping that. We can actually, that actually works out. We, we were actually almost potty mouths over at the cinematics podcast, but here over for finding your film, we can actually be, actually be potty mouths. I am not going to answer the whole question that, that Bruce Perky just threw on me. We're actually going to segue into Eric. You have something you're, I, I should have brought this up last week, but I did get a email. Um, as you may or may not remember, we donated some money. Uh, to a crowdfunding thing for Don't Die. Yes. And I got a email update. So they're done shooting it and they're now going into post-production. So we should be seeing something from Don't Die uh, probably in a couple months, maybe by the end of the year. And I cannot wait to... I, I can't wait for that movie to come out. It's got Virginia Newcomb, so already I'm excited. But it, it'll be it'll be neat to see if we donated to a, a winner or a turd. But either way, I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best, and I think they might pull off something cool. So we'll see what happens. Virginia Newcomb from the death of Dick Long and the Beta Test, or we all we like to call it the Peter Beta Test. Very very cool actress, and we actually named an award for her. What was the award that we we gave uh, regarding Virginia Newcomb, Bruce? Can you refresh? listeners i don't know what do you call it the virginia newcomer of the year i don't know how <laughs> i don't know what name newcomer, you call. newcomer of the I, year i just called it the virginia newcomer award but i'd yeah. like the virginia newcomer award though that's and w- what is nice that award bestowed upon eric what was that award like new ish actors that we want to see in everything yeah okay. they might have been around for a while but you just 
you know, you just saw him now, or maybe they are a brand new actor. But yeah, yeah. I can't wait for next year because we already got a fight. We already got a fight. Of some interesting, yeah, yeah, Pam Zam's gonna and be watching Kaylee Kaylee like beat up little Pam Zam's gonna be really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Okay, so two big movies this week, and then we're gonna get, go to recommends. But let's go go to our features first. Off, we have Who Does Salon. I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. Who does or Who Does Salon? Yeah, Who Does Salon. It is set in Bethlehem, and it centers on this. Well, I don't even know how to even say this. There, it centers on a Palestinian Palestinian woman. She goes into a salon, Huda Salon. She actually wants to get her hair done. Now, without giving too much away regarding the really tour de force first 10 to 12 minutes, which I think is really awesome, this woman, her name is Reem, and she is a young mother. She's married to a husband who's a little bit of a jealous type. She has a baby with them. They're, 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 they're she's, she's, uh, has some, some questions regarding her own station in life. But anyways, Reem is going to the salon just to relax. She just wants to get her hair done. But lo and behold, through a ser- a simple twist of fate, which is a pretty much tragic, she gets recruited. She's just a normal Palestinian woman. She gets recruited into the Israeli secret service. And if she does not comply to the Secret Service and become an informant for them, well, her life, her husband's life, and most importantly, her baby's life will be in direct danger. They they will be collateral damage within the confines of where they live. That is a premise of Huda Salon. But then it takes a different layer where you realize that Huda, the owner of the salon, she actually gets interrogated by a Palestinian rebel fighter or slash terrorist. And there's a whole different element where that Palestinian terrorist and Huda, they're, she's a secret service agent. They're going at each other in a really interesting battle of wills. Of It's like a, an interrogation film. So in one way, it's an, it's a thriller. And another, in another sense, it's also an interrogation film. And both of these, to me, they work really good. Eric was talking about sandwiches that kind of work. This is a PB and J sandwich that really, really worked for me as a thriller and as an interrogation sequence. Um, situation really loved Huda Salon. Wondering if Eric Holmes, I think this is a movie that it's right up your alley. Am I correct on this? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It had a, it was a little bit uh had a little Asgar Farhadi kind of flavor to it. A little bit of uh, uh, separation um, or a hero, but like uh, this has much higher stakes because uh, separation and a hero is real personal. And this is personal, but it goes it goes beyond that. It gets bigger than the individual characters. It also has uh, has some flavor of uh, Sabaya, the documentary Sabaya, and what goes on there. There's a lot of that in here. I really I'm not sure how much to say about it, but I really like how there's no clear. So Reem, the two three sides really that she's being pulled in. Neither one of them are particularly good. In fact, all three of them are pretty evil in their own rights and it, it's it's interesting watching a movie where you know the one main character has to choose between the lesser of evils and as <laughs> as people should have figured out by now uh that's no choice at all and whatever you know she's just trying to trying to be safe and doesn't know who to get to you know who to align with because anyone that she aligns with is going to end up uh hurting her very severely and th- this, yeah, th- this one's really good. 
<laughs> well, to your point, Eric, it's written and directed by Hani Abu Asad. We might know him as a director be- behind the Idris Elba and Kate Winslet film, The Mountain Between Us. That was a 20th Century Fox film that was released in 2017. A lot of people who are deeper cinephiles will know him for his, for just his all di- his different movies, including Paradise Now. He's really known for that as well. Well, Eric Holmes, you really enjoyed this movie. Bruce, how did it, who does Salon shake out for you? I thought it was really solid. I I was a little bit less invested in the Huda story that happens in the middle, although it was really interesting and pretty tense as well. I was so riveted to Reem's story that I honestly could have stayed with her three quarters of the time. And once again, to kind of accentuate, you know, a character in a situation where she has no good options, really, and very high stakes and a, a time limit. And, you know, this is a lot of stuff going on in her life. And watching her have to deal with that is just incredibly compelling, I thought. And the other side was interesting and good as well, but it was a little more um, ideological. It was kind of like, uh, and I could see, I, when I was watching, I was like, Eric's going to love this part too, because it's almost like a courtroom. You know, it's almost like two sides arguing their their case in some ways. Although, like, once again, the stakes are very high and immediate. But either way, I think this is a really solid movie and a really good example of what you can do with an independent low-budget movie and how you can still give it a lot, a lot of drama. And I think this is a really a really uh, broadly interesting and entertaining movie. I think a lot of people could enjoy this movie more than you sometimes get with a more, like, uh, I guess, subdued like drama, I guess I would say. This but has right, a lot going on. The the part you're talking about with the two sides uh, arguing and they're both wrong. But I, one of right. the things I one of the things I love about that is that they're both uh, like one, one side's trying to gaslight the other more than because yeah. the one side's clearly did wrong things, but in distress. So you kind of but it, it it it's it's neat how how it exposes the characters of this is why I'm doing it. And then the other the other side is like, yeah, that's why you're doing it, but you still did this thing, well, and so fuck you. And they're like, well, you don't have much to talk about. That, yeah, that, no. That, that back and forth between two people doing evil shit is pretty interesting, I thought. I think you're absolutely right. And it's kind of funny because if I didn't have Reem's story, I yeah. would probably have been more riveted to that story. But because I knew that she was always yeah. waiting in the wings, I was always like, I want to see what's happening with her. So I, I guess it's kind of like... a. a too many riches in this movie, in a sense. It's yeah. it's really got a lot going on for it. And one other weird little trivia piece, and I mentioned this to uh, Greg, and I don't mention it to you. There's a point where someone is searching uh, Huda's salon, and there is this particularly strange, um, almost kitschy uh, painting of a kid on the wall, a kid's face. And that's a very, very famous photo. So if you get to that scene, look up what that photo is. And I think it's really interesting that they chose to use that painting i guess it's a painting for that purpose in this movie it's it's kind of odd it's interesting and there's also one of these it's eye-opening in a sense you've heard these stories before but it's also a theme of what will you do for self-survival and eric was talking about good and wrong and both bad decisions but ultimately you have so many different sides every side wants to live every side wants to protect their family at any cost and each side knows and what's interesting is bad guys or good guys or bad people 
even the quote-unquote bad people know what they're doing is wrong. They're actually accountable for their for their actions, which makes this whole tragic thing even more tragic because you're realizing they know they're doing things that are wrong, but they continue to proceed on a certain direction because they have to. So yeah, four stars for me for Huda Salon. Bruce, what do you give this? I think I'm on four stars too. It's good though. It's really good. Eric Holmes, finally you. I really want to give this five stars. Okay. I, I think... I feel like I should give it four stars, but I don't know what's holding me back. So five stars. Yeah, we'll go with that. This is like one of those movies that's like uh, it's everything it attempts. I think it just nails. So I I don't know how how or why I would go below that. I'm going to also say this to regarding Eric Holmes's five stars. The ending, which we're not going to give away the ending of Huda Salon. Some people might say it's very open ended. But here's the thing. It's one of these things where people will disagree regarding what the ending is all about. Regarding, is it a happy ending? Is it a sad ending? Is it a neutral ending? It depends how you see, you know, Bruce was talking about it. It's an, an it's a very entertaining film, but depending on your, on the way you sway regarding the parties involved, this may color your view of what actually happens at the end. So in a sense, some may, may complain it's open-ended, but really, it really the viewer will will have to decide what his or her opinion is. Eric, you're going to say sorry. I, th- I think it is open ended, but if you're if you're paying attention, there's there's the version of the ending that the character thinks is going to happen, and then there's the version that I know is going to happen because I've been watching the movie. It, <laughs> it, and so it's open ended, but it's in a way because I think the character thinks one thing is going to happen, and the audience knows something else entirely is going to happen that's if, if i if i got that correct i'm pretty it, sure i did though it's oh yeah you got that correct in a sense but i mean we can't that, that, this yeah. actually actually almost demands a, but, a spoiler but discussion I mean, towards the, the the point is if it's not open-ended the way it is that ending doesn't work in that way and i i think that kind of goes along with the themes of the movie so normally that would be annoying and it might be annoying for some people but i thought it was really great way to really great way to uh put a put one last extra little uh highlight on the uh, themes by then there bruce you agree with the ending uh and eric uh, he thought it was- yes i do agree with the ending i think that i you know kind of like what you said too um greg of how it's kind of a, it's it's shaded by kind of your perspective but um also it kind of points out to me something that's really strong in this movie is that this is how you do a movie about political ideas and ideologies and don't do it in a preachy or stereotypical way you do it with characters and uh, I think the ending is actually really smart. <laughs> Pretty powerful ending. Yeah, Huda Salon. Again, in theaters, uh, very smart. In theaters and everywhere you rent movies, check it out. Strong recommendations from me and Bruce, and also a five-star banger from our buddy Eric Holmes. Okay, now, speaking of five-star bangers, this is interesting. There's a movie called The Long Walk. I thought you pronounce it Laos, but it's Lao, I guess? The movie's... It's This is a weird movie. It's a sci-fi horror film that is very interesting. You know what's weird is the the director, Maddie Doe, she's, she was born in the States, but she moved to Laos 10 years ago, and she's been making movies over there. And she's a very revered filmmaker within, within that country. And for deep, just really huge cinephiles, like our buddy William Lindis, he actually mentioned, he actually recommended Maddie Doe's work to us. And Bruce, you've been waiting for the long walk. Can you tell our listeners for, for the past year, right? Uh, like about a year and a half, I think. I know that I, I talked to William. Actually, yeah, I talked to William the summer before last, and he mentioned this director, and he mentioned this movie 
kind of about that time. I think it had come out two years ago at a festival. And then since then, I had reached out to Maddie Doe and some of the people in their production about getting screeners for this, trying to get screeners for this. And it just was still in the festival circuit forever. And then they said it'd be coming out this spring. And I was really happy that you got it because I had been wanting to see it for a long time. So Yeah. And I'm just, okay. So it had a really brief theatrical release on February 18th. It's on digital and, and on demand as we speak right now. And it centers on, yeah, this old guy. He's, he's quote unquote a scavenger. He lives in a sort of a ramshackle area out in the middle of nowhere. And he can, I don't even know how to say this. What, what do we want to, Eric, do you know what, what should we spoil, Bruce? What should we spoil regarding this? I'm looking at the thing. Mm, well, I think, it, I think it, you can say what he sees regularly. I think that's like, it's known like immediately. Well, you know you what's think? so funny is Maddie Doe, I listened to a podcast recently that she was in, and she actually, when she was pitching the movie, I know you have to pitch the movie just to make it sexy. She pitched it and explained the entire film. So yeah, I wouldn't I, do that. I, I don't do want that. to do that. Well, even though she's doing it and to, to sell the movie, I get it. But for us, I don't want to do it. I'll, I'll just say that he's a scavenger. He has a dark past. He's suffering from grief and trauma like pretty much most of us in this entire world with the suffering of loss. And he actually has a spiritual and actual, in many ways, a physical physical connection with the dead, a la Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. And here's the thing that's interesting is, in many ways, The Long Walk is a ghost story. It has a little bit of a time travel sci-fi th- situation, which Maddie Doe explained in the podcast. She actually said something else, which I'm not going to mention. But this scavenger, he is holding on because he has a special, unique power with to actually communicate with dead people, he is not actually living a full life himself. He is closet. He's closed off into this entire world. And the long walk um, is the long walk. Basically, describes his long, long daily walk with this young girl who is who's been dead for years, and they've been walking the same road together for the past fifty years. So, in many ways, it's poetic. It's lyrical. It's sometimes maybe a bit confusing. It's a bit of a puzzle piece. Bruce Perky, you've been waiting a year and a half. Did the long walk deliver for you? It did. It did actually quite a bit. Uh, First of all, one thing I don't know if you mentioned, or maybe I just kind of missed it, but one big piece of this movie is it's kind of two parallel stories happening. You're getting to see his life as a very young boy, and then you're seeing his current life as an not a super old guy, but he's like, I don't know, 60 or something, something like that. And uh, he still is seeing the same spirit that he saw when he was a boy. And you kind of see how that started when he was a boy. And um, for me, uh, I compared it to The Sixth Sense. That's kind of an obvious comparison. I think if you know the kind of the classic Japanese horror movie, The Tale of Two Sisters, I think it has some elements of that. And if you know the movie The Other from the 70s, it has some elements of that as well. I think to me, this is a, this is a classic movie. This is a one of the best movies about haunting in a way like one of the best ghost stories i've ever seen this is so intricate and so interesting ultimately it's about i'm not going to get once again get into spoilers but it's about selfishness and making choices and the ramifications of those choices i think that's this this movie is a big part of that and like you said as a puzzle piece there are details in this that i think you can go back and re-examine it and re-watch it and really understand how things have changed depending on the way that the the realities are kind of interweaving. I'll leave it at that. Uh, there's elements of, there's like this little broken figurine that comes into play. Yeah, my goodness. There's a broken- Finger? Or a, there's, there's a figure, there's a shattered, like a, 
a cabinet door. There's a there's a nail on the side of a of a cabin. There's a whole bunch of things like that where you can re-examine those details as the movie goes on. And I think that there's a ton still to unravel. And I think I understand it pretty well, but I also don't understand all of it. And I still love it. I think this movie is excellent. Wow. I, I also just losing my father five years ago. This is also a movie that is a very deep film about grief and trauma and how you process it. Some No one ever processes death the, the same way. And The Long Walk has some really interesting just looks without getting too heavy handed. It's, are you able to move on from, from someone's passing or do you hold on to that for, for a long time? And what happens when you hold on to, to your loved ones a little bit too close? There's, there are moments of that with The Long Walk as well. It's a very layered film. Again, like Bruce, I'm a bit, I was a bit confused with certain, certain things. And what's a great, the greatest thing about this is upon several watches, I'm, I'm going to watch it a couple more times and I'm sure I'm going to get a couple more puzzle pieces for myself as well. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on The Long Walk? Yeah, this one was really, really good. Um, I too was very confused. Like I'm watching the movie and go, okay, I know what this is. And then someone would say something or something would happen. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm lost. And then I would just kind of go on and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm back on, I'm back on. And then, I know what this is. And then something else happens. I'm like, fuck, I'm lost again. <laughs> but, uh, but like the, uh, the, the, the themes and the, the tension, the emotion still came through. And I started, I, I feel like I needed to watch it again. Cause I started watching it again last night and I got about a quarter of a way through. And I was like, wow, watch the rest after work before uh, we record today. That didn't happen. Cause I got to work way late. <laughs> so, um, but this, uh, yeah, this, this movie has a, I mean, the well, Bruce you, compared it to. You've seen it more than me. You've seen it at least one and a quarter times. Yeah. During that quarter, were you picking up other things? Did you appreciate yeah. it? Did, okay. Yeah, yeah. It started, um, I, I guess one of, the, one of the things that threw me off was the uh, the futuristic element. Because he's, he's got that thing on his arm. If you've ever seen About Time, it's real similar to that. Right. Um, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on why why that was a choice. But this is one of those type of movies that goes in weird places. So I, I feel like I'm missing something there. Like the, the, the futuristic and you know, like why set it in the future and then go back to the past. And then there was another character that I was like, Oh, those two characters are linked. And then a thing happens like, Oh shit, maybe not. <laughs> but, uh, it- I, I actually, oddly enough, it feels a lot like Primer, and this is not at a, like this has time travel elements, but this is not at all like Primer. Um, but it, it has that thing where, like, when you watch Primer, you're like, I'm just going with it because I know the characters understand what's going on, even though I'm kind of lost. And then you can go back to it, and the more you watch it, you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, I, I okay. I see what they're doing there. I think this movie has a lot of that, and even the stuff that uh, didn't go over my head was was like a lot of the emotional stuff. But oh, there's one scene at the end that <laughs> was really messed up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, this this has this movie has like you know it, it's kind of like one of those things. Like if this came out in December. It probably would have uh, been a part of one of those uh, that that award show that only seems to award movies that come out in December. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this person's name. Yana Wuthi Chanta Lungsi. He's a lead actor. Nailed it. <laughs> I nailed it. He. I, I was saying to Bruce on, on on our message on on Facebook. He has more presence than most actors I see today. There, when he's vaping and he's giving that dead-eyed look at, at the authorities or just l- reflecting on his past, he's just 
Wow. There's sometimes it's just it just takes a person to actually light up the screen. Did you guys like him as as a lead actor as well? Yes, Eric. Yeah. I actually I just saw something like if if you like Parasite, this kind of this has a lot of parallels to that. Where like Parasite's the story, you know, the it is is much of a main story that you can pick with Parasite, but it's got so many little details and in and outs and subplots and stuff going in there. Oh, sorry. I just derailed this, but... Uh, no, yeah, no, they- I I think that's true. Also, if you like Nolan, if you like, like you said, if you like um, yeah. Primer, if you like those movies where... See, the difference to me is that like some of those movies are so dense that you can't get the basic idea of the story. I feel like this is one of those movies where you get the basic idea of the story, but you know there's more to unravel. And yeah. you know that if you got in there and actually mapped out what was happening, it's going to even enrich it more. And to me, that's when it's working on both elements. It's giving you that puzzle-solving element that, that some people really love in movies, and I think it can be really fun. But it's also giving you a basic story that you can also just follow. So yeah. I, I pre- it's got both those things, which I really yeah. appreciate. It, yeah, if you like picking movies apart, th- I mean, this is right up your alley. Kind of like Bruce said, this is almost like Tenet. This yeah, almost, almost like Tenet. <laughs> if Tenet had a story above it that was good. <laughs> Very good. Eric Holmes, great callback from almost two years ago with Tenet, or a year and a half ago. Very, very good callback. Again, if you again, Eric Holmes really enjoyed Tenet, and Bruce Perky, not so much regarding Tenet. But at least all three of us really enjoyed, if not loved, The Long Walk. For me, I'm giving it five stars. Bruce Perky, throw down your ratings. Five stars. Five stars. Eric Holmes, what you got? Yeah, same. Wow. Again, I, again, like I, I, I didn't fully get it the first time, but that uh, much like with Huda Salon, it, it's the, it's the movie that it, it's doing what it needs to do, and I think it does it really well. And I, there's nothing that jumps out of me that you know it, it, it's confusing sometimes, but it, I can like I, I feel like uh, this movie is uh, smarter than me, and I'm willing to catch up and learn from it. Here's a good thing. The Long Walk. How about one of these days it gets remade into a Hollywood film? Do you guys ever seeing this <laughs> seeing this movie being re- you know it, Bruce? You're shaking your head. Don't you know there's some kind of Hollywood big way? Well, going to, the problem gonna- is there's a Stephen King book yeah. called The Long Walk. So that's the unfortunate because it probably will get made, but it'll get made as a Stephen King book, and then people won't know what this movie is, and people mm. need to know what this movie is. So champion it. <laughs> I, I should point out when we got this, I turned it on right away because I've been waiting for. Uh, I heard Frank Darabont was going to do a long, the long walk a long time ago. And I was like, "Oh shit, that came out!" <laughs> so I put it on. I'm like, <laughs> and, and that got me even more confused. I'm like, "Wait, I don't know what the hell this is." So I actually had to start it over. So maybe I saw it one in three eighths times because <laughs> I had to and start it over. <laughs> do you guys? One last thing. Do you guys get the feeling on this movie is really interesting in a good way that it's a ghost story and it is sometimes really creepy it's not scary but it's like creepy and then sometimes it's incredibly it also is incredibly sad i think a lot of times and it's just it's just the mood of this movie is quite amazing and the fact that it keeps that mood all the way through this if this is not directed and written correctly this is the silliest movie you've ever seen and it doesn't come across as silly at all I, i think uh Oddly enough, parts of it are comforting when true. When, That's when, true. when that sad things are happening to a character, you almost feel you know it's like oh, but you know the the, the main character comes in says something and it's like oh okay that and so it, it's almost like a, a it's almost like a, someone you know kind of you know giving you a hug and say it's okay death happens it's okay, <laughs> and then other times you see death happening and it's like. Oh my god, that's so fucking tragic. 
<laughs> right. And but it also does those things that like a classic ghost story can do. And it's it's very, very hard to do in modern movies. And uh I know Greg will probably agree with me on this, like the innocence. There's nothing gory in the innocence. Sometimes it's just a woman on the other side of like this marshland. And it's this very impactful, creepy moment. And there's similar moments in this where it's just like lit at night and you see the ghost woman that's always walking with him, like standing on the opposite side of the small bridge. And it's just, it's just something about it. That's amazing. There's also stuff in this. And we talked about this with Undine or Undine. There's a cultural stuff in this that um, I certainly don't, I I know that it's a thing because I've heard about it, but I don't understand it. Like a, you know, watching like uh, Ringu or whatever, like the the ghosts are like wet. Apparently, water is a is a cultural thing um, with horror. There, um, they keep showing the the little orange. I, yes, it, it, they keep showing it, and maybe that means something more than what it does. That that wouldn't be anything that I you know I I don't know about you guys. That wouldn't be anything I would pick up on. But I no, I get it. Yeah. I get the feeling that there's a bunch of little details like that, that if you live in the area in which this was made, you might pick up on a lot of, uh, Oh wow. That's a really cool detail that may otherwise just go right over our heads. But there is one big detail that is cultural that I, you get, and is important to the movie. And that is the whole thing about how, and once again, I want to spoil things, but like how a spirit either does or doesn't pass on. And that's like a key thing in this. And that's not necessarily a Western idea, but you understand it in this movie and it's key. And um, yeah, that was really interesting yeah. as well. well, well I, I, I was talking more like the the, the yo, I, I get that too. Superficial details, but like the little yes. tiny details that would just like, oh, it's an orange, and you don't think twice about it. But maybe if you live in that area, it's like the orange represents this. Oh, that's really yes. smart that they put it. <laughs> yes, and, I think you're right. And regarding about the passing on the spirits and whatnot, in different cultures and regarding how one processes trauma and death. There will be different reactions where people will – there might be moments of empathy. There might be moments of, I can't believe this is happening. There's going to be a divided reaction regarding the actions that take place in the long walk. And a lot of it will will, will actually deal with what part of the place, where in the world you were born or, or how you were raised. And that's what makes really the long walk really fun. Or you can be like Eric, me, and Bruce on a superficial level, maybe just trying to – Put the puzzles together. So it works on a superficial level and it works on a very philosophical, spiritual level as well. The long walk, five stars. For all of us, that is our main features. Now we're getting, let's get to our recommends. Gleaming the cube, Bruce. What? <laughs> we just went to about death and loss and nightmare and time travel and what? accountability. Gleaming, what is gleaming the cube? What's this? Is this a skateboarding movie? What, what, you, what don't, you don't think this is a, a impactful, like historical uh, relic uh, from the 80s? Come on in, now. In fairness, I, I haven't seen it. Does it start Christian Slater? No. It does. No. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so I've never seen this movie. It popped up on Hulu recently. I don't know if it's still there, but it popped up on Hulu recently. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I need a little of that tough turf, like, you know, in my life. And I've never seen Gleaming the Cube. I wonder if Gleaming the Cube will kind of fill that gap. So I went and watched Glee- Gleaming the Cube from 1989, directed by, uh, I don't know how to say his name. Is it Graham? Graham Clifford? Interesting. I don't know who this director was. He hasn't directed a lot. But if you look at who, what he's edited, look up Graham Clifford and his editing career. And I think Eric... And Greg will be a little interested on that. On it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Same here on it. Anyway, <laughs> this star stars Christian Slater as Brian, skateboarding, spiky-haired teen from the late 80s. 
He has his friends, uh, one of whom is a very young Tony Hawk. Oh, I see, I see Eric's <laughs> face getting all excited there. What do you see, Eric? I saw Fist. <laughs> I don't know if that's the one you're talking about. That's I one of them. Manifeld of Earth. Don't look now. Yeah, this wow. guy is. A, oh, yeah, this guy is an amazing editor. Uh, I don't know how he got this movie, but he did. So anyway. On to the story. Uh, Christian Slater is like the kind of your average L.A. Uh, late 80s skateboard dude. Uh, he hangs out with Tony Hawk. Though, uh, he's just his friend in this, but it's actually Tony Hawk. And uh, they get up to no good, and he's kind of a disappointment to his parents. And he happens to have a stepbrother who's an adopted young Vietnamese man who just happens to get in over his head and get himself killed. And then the rest of the movie is Christian Slater trying to uncover what happened to his friend. This, this sounds is, like a decent movie, right? It is a decent movie. And I was amazed that it wasn't cheesier than I thought it was going to be. As thought as I thought it was going to be, I guess I'd say, this is a hell of a fun 80s movie. It's got all the tropes. It's got tons of great LA locations, which I'm sure you would enjoy more than me, Greg. You'd probably recognize a bunch of them because it's all over locations. And it's got great characters. It's got some really fun... Uh, kind of action tropes, but done in a skateboarding way. And I was really appreciated the fact that it wasn't just random skateboard scenes in the middle of this other movie. They find ways to incorporate the skateboards uh, kind of in the way you would an action movie or a kung fu movie, right? You get a you get a, a a martial arts movie. You find a way to make sure there's a martial arts fight and they use their skills. Well, here they find a way to use his skateboarding skills. In an action movie. And I think it's it's really pretty actually awesome. In fact, towards the end, there's a scene where he... Okay, action movies. They have that classic montage of arming up or modifying your weapons before the final bite. Or final fight, I mean. He modifies his skateboard before the final fight. And he has a super cool skateboard at the very end of the movie. Uh, which, if you go on YouTube, very many people have gone out and made their own versions of that final skateboard because it's a thing, <laughs> I guess. That's this so is just funny. a ton of this is a ton of fun. If you enjoy somewhat cheesy but also genuinely entertaining '80s movies that are still very, very '80s, uh, you could do a heck of a lot worse than Gleaming the Cube. Three and I, and a half? I was, yeah, I would say three and a half, maybe even four stars. It's a I, lot of fun. This is like four. so entertaining. Yeah. Four. It, Let's just go yeah. four stars with, with yeah, Bruce Corky four stars. For, for gleaming the cube. And in fairness, underrated film when you when we're talking about Christian Slater's filmography, because we talk about pump up the volume, we talk about Heathers. Is this one of these things that is just sort of sort of underrated because people gloss over it and they just say, This is a throwaway movie? Well, I think it gets thrown in that that category of like, you know, you have like breakdancing movies, or you have you have these movies that are based around an activity, but the movie itself isn't really that good. This is one where they really did a good job of incorporating it into the movie. So it's just part of his character. And I think that's what makes it a better movie than it should be, you know? You're reviewing this like found treasure. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> I, I, I remember when this movie, because I haven't seen this movie in so long, but when it came out, like I saw it a bunch. I remember oh. when it came I remember when it came out because I like, you know, you'd watch like a BMX Bandits or Rad or, you know, movies like that. But when for some reason, like maybe it was a name Gleaming the Cube, but I saw the trailer for it. and I was like, oh, no, those ones are fun. But this one's serious business. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kind of similar to uh, uh, Legend of Billy Jean or yes. uh, it, even Cloak and Dagger to a weird. Well, weird movie. It's like when, when I was a kid, I watched those. And I was like, oh, this is. This is like the this is a serious version of these type of movies. You mentioned pump up the volume. I think it goes really well with that yeah. too. Okay, gleaming the cube. I, 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch this. The, it's the fact, so fun. The, the fact that that you like it and seems to hold up, and you haven't seen it before, without no. like the nostalgia, like that gets me excited to want to watch yeah. it again. And definitely, I would compare it like to compare it to Tough Turf. You compare it to Tough Turf was fun and just so silly, yeah. and but fun because of the silliness. This is that as well but it's actually a good movie <laughs> yeah. i couldn't i couldn't believe it it's actually real, a good movie real quick though had, uh, when was the last time you seen legend of billy jean or have you seen that i have but it's been like since then <laughs> so I, I, it's been I, a long time i've seen that recently it still kind of holds up actually really I, good I, I, I'd, be, I'd, I'd be curious to see what what you think of that um like today uh, no. if it comes across i will uh, you know what put it in the put box a, put it in the box <laughs> the legend of billy jean bruce perky's gonna put up put it in the box we're gonna get to the box in a second before we get I'm writing to it that. down <laughs> writing it go down force go along without me i'm gonna write this down hang on okay four <laughs> stars for bruce perky for gleaming the cube starring christian slayer you can actually catch us as of this recording on hulu eric holmes you are actually completing the homework with physical media love. What do you got for us regarding yes, physical yes. media for this? Well, I, I got a Fear and Desire, Stanley Kubrick's first feature-length movie, I believe. Uh, it's called Fear and Desire, and I'll hold it up for the uh, people uh, looking on YouTube if we have the uh, or the visual version of it. But uh, Kino, what is it? Uh, Kino, Kino release. Classics. Okay. Uh, Library of Congress. It, it's a very basic DVD. It's essentially just the movie. I think I covered this before. No, um, I don't think you covered this. I don't, no, I haven't. No, no, you haven't covered this. Well, um, that, is this from your collection that you've had for years, or is this a recent pickup? I, from- I haven't had it that long, but oh, you know what? I maybe I covered Overlord. Yeah, because, you covered Overlord. I think covered Overlord. The, yeah. the first half of Overlord is almost a shot-for-shot remake of Fear and Desire. Um, okay. This is not probably not a lot of st- people's favorite Stanley Kubrick movie, but you know it, it's a pretty decent uh, war movie. It's uh, you know uh, soldiers doing bad things to people when they should be the good guys. You know it, it is pretty pretty interesting, and that's Kubrick's first movie. You know, so you got to watch it for that. But the only reason I bring this up is uh, one of the uh, special features on it. The only special feature on it, besides uh, interactive menus. And pause feature is uh, it has a movie called The Seafarers, which is a 30 minute documentary about seafaring. Uh, this is known as Kubrick's first uh, movie shot in color. It's a documentary, and this thing is fucking dry. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a chore to get get through the the seafarers. It was a half hour. It felt like an hour and a half. Um, it, yeah. it was, but I mean, it, this is we we mentioned before. Like, uh, oh, who was it on Cinematics that brought up um, "Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song"? I forget. I, let me, I'll look it up right now. Oh, Let's see, maybe I'm, it might be Joseph Bridges. I'm assuming Matt Stillman. Maybe. Oh, maybe, probably Matt maybe. Stillman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whoever did, I apologize. I, I forgot who did it. And, you know, I, I got wet brain. So sorry. About that. But uh, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, not a good movie, but you still kind of need to see it. Um, you know, if you're a cinephile at all, you kind of need to see it to, it is more of a hi- historical curiosity. Uh, the Seafarers, this is like, a, do you guys remember watching Hemo the Magnificent in school or did they play that in school? Yeah. Like, or, or something like that like they like uh oh we're doing biology class so they'll roll out the the tv and put in a, a tape and play some well this is the heart and this is how it works and blah blah right. blah yeah. and here's the bomb that's pretty much what this is except it's about seafarers and 
I, I got to tell you, I didn't learn a thing about seafarers, but if I was paying more attention, maybe I would have uh, learned everything I needed to know about seafarers in 1953. I, I think the neat thing about this is it, um, cause it's a documentary, but you can still tell that the, uh, a lot of the shots are really, uh, intentional, which is what Kubrick's best known for. And, you know, as far as, uh, documentaries about seafarers and the unions of seafaring go, this is the best one. <laughs> okay so that is fear and desire with a special feature of 30 minute i guess doc on on seafarers yeah. I, and- I i will say if you are interested they do have uh they do have this on because I, I think this was lost for a while and then found which is why they put it on the fear and desire dvd and apparently they have a dvd of the seafarers on its own and if you can find that there's uh there's a couple uh, let, me, let me look here there was a DVD that came out in 2008 with audio commentary from Roger Avery and Keith Gordon, as well as an interview with one of Kubrick's daughters. Um, oh, it, wait, it, wait, for Fear and Desire or for, for no, that, Seafarers? No, that's if you can find the Seafarers on DVD. That That's a separate DVD of only the Seafarers. The one I got is Fear and Desire, and they added the Seafarers as a special. Wow. Feature. But if you get the Seafarers DVD by itself, you get an audio commentary from Keith Gordon. Yeah, and Roger Avery. I, I'm guessing they're doing the commentary together. Wow. Um, okay. All and right. so that so that alone would be something to seek out because I mean it, it, it's you know it's half hour, it's very dry, but I almost want to seek out that DVD because I think listening to some some people talk about it and see you know maybe kind of pick pick the movie apart as or pick the documentary apart as they're watching it might uh, prove to have some value added. But yeah, I did if if. You're a Stanley Kubrick fan. Uh, this is kind of a must watch just to, uh, you know, get more into the history of him. Cause I mean, this is one of his, not his first movie, but it's, you know, it's early Kubrick. So right away, you know, we got that. If you're not that heavy into him, you know, and you're not that into seafaring, probably don't need to check this one out. Okay. So that's Fear and Desire, Seafarers. That is a DVD that Eric's had for just recently purchased over at Entertain Mark, I believe you Entertain oh, Mark. You definitely. got it. Entertain Mark. <laughs> definitely that's that's Eric's Mark. over at uh, what uh, Colorado Springs, right? So yep, yep, over at yeah, Entertain Mark. So DVD Kino Classics slash Library of Con- Congress. Again, if you are into seafaring, maybe get that standalone DVD wherever you can find it. Keith Gordon, we love Keith Gordon as a director. He directed a Midnight Clear. You might know him as an actor from such movies as. Christine, Back to School, and a movie called Dress to Kill as well. Very interesting. Love him. And also, we love Roger Avery as well, a.k.a. the the genius half of Pulp Fiction. Just kidding. Okay, so now oh, we're- And, he, and yes. he was in uh, The Legend of Billie Jean. So- Oh, Keith go. Gordon? Full I didn't circle. know that. Very full circle on <laughs> Keith Gordon. We should do a podcast with Keith Gordon as our guest, maybe one of these days. Now, before we get to- Before we close the show, we have one final thing. And you know what? I might as well say this. This is usually when Pete drops that beat, but Pete's off doing his flash pods with, with Bruce Perky. You know what? I, we're, I, me and Eric are a little bit jealous, but still, Pete, we love you. Head chairman, chairman of uh, middle class film class. What, is, what does Pete do every week, Eric? Yo, Pete, flash pod that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie. No. What's in the fucking box? Very good. We're back. All right. All right. What you got, Bruce? Well, before I say what was in the box last week, I'm just going to really quickly mention, since we were just talking about physical media, I'm doing a little mini short thing 
for the next few days that you can find on our Find Your Film Facebook page. And that is What's on the Box. If you haven't seen it, it's What's on the Box, where I take one of the VHS tapes that my brother just sent me, and I tell you what's on the box. It's Very about cool. three minutes long, but hey, you know. Oh, and speaking of this, look, this is Wicker Man. Very interesting little facts you can find out. Like, if you to look at the actual tape inside, it literally just says Wickerman. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Nothing else. Just Wickerman. That's all. I'm surprised they have that, that Nicolas Cage classic on VHS. That's pretty <laughs> exactly, amazing. Exactly, right? All right. Anyway, now, what's in the box? Uh, Why is there such a VHS craze coming back? Why is it coming back, Bruce? Do we want it back? Do we want the VHS craze back? The boxes are pretty damn cool, and I'll put them up on my shelf. I will not be watching the VHS versions of them, though. I I think the biggest thing about VHS is because, like, the quality is, like, dog shit compared to what we have now but there's some movies that are only on vhs so i think i I think a lot of the collection goes that way it's like you can't find anywhere else it's on vhs so you know that that's what you got so find it where you can and it just goes to show you people like having actual things like things that actually existed at one point in the past so I don't know. But anyway, moving along, we are going to Genius Party from 2007. This was suggested by Eric O, the director of Namu, uh, also the director of Opera, animated uh, shorts, I should say, uh, Oscar-nominated from last year. And he just put out a tiny little animation for uh, Ukraine, where he did... um, he did his kid little figures like he has in opera, and he did them on a like a you know a blue sky and a wheat field below, so to kind of be like the flag. Uh, he's he's a pretty cool guy. Anyway, uh, genius party is what he suggested. It's an anime anthology from 2007. Uh, you can find this all over the place, by the way. Uh, Tubi, I think Canopy has it as well. A couple other places. I watched it on Tubi. Very easy to do, watch it there. And Tubi has like maybe, I don't know, two ads. It's it's always pretty easy to watch on there. If this is like any anthology, if you don't like one, you have another one coming up soon. There's, I think, seven animated shorts in here, uh, and they tend to vary quite a bit. And most of them are not, once again, that kind of classic anime style of like superhero-y kind of stuff. Only the first one kind of fits in that category, and even that one's pretty unique. Uh, I will just mention the three that I thought were the best out of it, but all of them are at least good. Uh, but the ones I thought were really good, uh, one was called Shanghai Dragon, and it's about this little kid, literally a snot-nosed little kid. He's probably like seven or eight, and this this object falls from the sky. He picks it up, and it looks kind of like a glowing like little spear, and he draws a shape on the ground, and that shape comes to life. He basically discovers he can draw anything he wants, and he can make it happen. So you basically have this <laughs> dumb kid drawing things to try to save the universe when there's alien invasion. So that one's tons of fun. The second one is Death Tick, and that one is very surreal CGI animation of these like zombie kids in this really crazy, weird, almost like um, the best of Tim Burton. Like if Tim Burton is doing his thing well, like he is in like Beetlejuice or something, where it's like that really odd universe, it's kind of like that, and it's a lot of fun. And then the one of the best ones is called Happy Machine. And it's this little baby, and he wakes up, and he's looking at his mom, and you think his mom might be a robot, and then you find out he's inside a giant machine that's giving him the experience of having a mother, and the machine basically loses power, and he crawls out of it, and the rest of the short is him crawling across this like alien landscape, discovering what it means to be a living being, and it's really, really unique. 
and really cool. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of Maitre du Temps, whatever that French movie was we watched, uh, Masters of Time. It kind of had that uh, animation feel to it, that kind of really trippy 70s kind of animation feel. It was really cool. So a lot of variety in that. This movie is probably three and a half to four stars for me. If you want to dip your toes in anime and you're not really sure what you like, this gives you a whole variety of styles and should give you some really interesting, fun stuff to watch. Okay, so that is Genius Party, again, available on Hoopla, Tubi, and Canopy. Broussard on Tubi. It is his weekly box movie. Before we go, I was going to go again, but I remembered. Don't we have to pick something for next week? Yes, we do. Because we're do not we pick- up. And- so what's in the box? Ooh, that's a box. box. What's in it? What's in it, bros? What's in the big in box? It. All right. This is a small piece of paper. It's, I can barely open it because my fingers are old. That's what she mm-hmm. said. That's right. <laughs> All right. What do I have? I'm sorry. I suck. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a movie I've never watched and I've been meaning to watch forever. That's why it's in here. Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's, Vampire's Kiss. Kiss. Very cool. You've never seen it. I've All never right. seen it. I've heard about it forever. I've never seen it. Vampire's Kiss. Is, is it one of your th- favorites from Cage? Eric? I, I saw it once a long time ago, and he's it's, he's definitely full cage in that. So I, I, it'll be fun one. Vampire's yep. Kiss. That is our that is Bruce's choice from What's in the Box. If you want to actually suggest films for Bruce to watch, and inside the box he's got a he pulls out the movies and uh, randomly. So email Bruce over at bruceperky at gmail dot com, or just hit him up on our on our Cinematics Facebook group. We have some really insightful. Just real cinephiles giving us movie recommendations every single day. There's, I, I speak in day. There's a, there's someone named Nathan Day. He gives little mini reviews as well. What tells us what, what's going on. There's Joseph Bridges. There's Matt Stillman. There's Andrew Martin. So many really interesting people. I'm sure Ken Cunningham. So many wonderful, Angie Clark, wonderful, wonderful members on our Facebook group. And Eric, I'm sure you got some really good, uh, movie picks from our fellow, uh, our brethren. Have oh, you- I, I, absolutely. So yeah. And, and in fact, like, uh, Andrew Martin will hit me up once in a while. And pretty much anytime Andrew Martin says, Eric, yeah, I see this. I'm like, God, I don't want to. And it's like, no, you got to watch. I'm like, fuck, fine. I'll watch it. <laughs> I, I don't think Andrew Martin will ever speak to <laughs> and, me after. And, and the weird thing is, I never want to do it, but then I watch it and it's like, you're fucking right. This is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. It, I think. I'm actually ha- being a. The, I'm. Not, I'm gonna have to say this. I think a lot of people are are actually boycotting talking to to me, Greg Trizavasi on Cinemax Facebook group after last week's four star rating of Gasoline Alley. So I think a lot of people are really uncomfortable to talk to me on the Facebook group. Thankfully, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky are there to 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 round out to actually strengthen our. our uh, our community, and I think I'm persona non grata after that gasoline alley review. By the way, I stand by the four star review. I'm so sorry, as Bruce is just mortified, continues to be mortified by my rating. Anyways, before we go, Eric Holmes, you wanted to say something? Yes, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I just remember now. I I might South by Southwest is coming up soon. Yes, mm-hmm. oh, I, I yeah, I may have something that's playing there, but I'm not sure yet. Okay. Uh, my friend, my friend Bailey. Uh, she's always doing weird creative things and anytime she needs an editor it's like hey i need help with something i'm like cool but i don't yes whatever it is i'm sure it's going to be awesome because it always is but she was doing this thing where uh so it, it, it it's strange but it's basically uh she writes these poems and then at the end of the poem she'll have a little qr code on the bottom and then you click on the qr code and it brings you to a 30 second video that goes along with the poem that she wrote and so i'm helping with the with uh two of the videos 
And hopefully those will be, I, I have no idea how she's going to make those available, but as soon as she does, uh, I'll make them available through cinematics somehow. Cause they're pretty good. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're pretty interesting. What's her uh, name? Bailey, what Bailey, Bailey Rutzel, Bailey Rutzel. How do you spell the last name? R E U T Z E L R E U T Z E L. Or, or, oh, she's, she's got a weird last name. Hold on. R E U T Z E L. And I, and I probably destroyed her last name. That's why I just call her Bailey. Okay, so <laughs> sorry, Bailey, if you're watching this. Bailey, if you're watching or listening, R e u t z e l r e u t e z. That's telling my friends, uh, uh, Billy and JJ. They they got their last name Gruder, and it's like G r u e t r g r e u t. It it it's the EUs always fuck me up. But anyway, Eric, when you have your colleagues come on on the show, make sure they have names like Smith and Anderson. <laughs> That would be great. I would even go by with Cowan as well. But okay, we'll look out for Bailey's work. Hopefully, it makes a s. Oh, what? How do you say Bruce S X S W or S W V? How do you S X S W S W Z? What is it? Southwest. Yes. yes what you said. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Before we go, Bruce. Final words. Three things. I have three things. I'm sorry. Okay, I have too many good. things. Okay. okay um, number one, I was in Walmart today. Sorry. No, I saw no, the spine of Walmart. night. You can fucking buy the spine of night in Walmart. You should do that. Number two, this is for just for Anderson Cowan. First of all, we love you. Second of all, if you have Disney Plus, they just added West Side Story. So have a good time. <laughs> cool. um, yeah, that's very cool. And number three, and the most important message, the message we'll go out with is Sam Elliott can go fuck himself. What was that all power about? Of I, I, the I, I, power I, I, of the dog is a five-star banger. And that's coming from me. Okay. And if you go to my, you know, if you go to my letterbox now, I gave it five stars because of you, Sam Elliott. So I I saw you post a thing and I feel like I missed something. What happened there? Well, what we, so what uh, happened? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, we'll talk Google about it afterwards. Google. Google, Google, Google Sam Elliott. Yeah, he's he's not a big fan of the power of the dog. And Bruce, how dare I you? Beef did you dinner? <laughs> did you really get? Did you really five star the the power of the dog? Or is that irony speaking? No, I five starred it. It's amazing. Okay, folks. And yeah, one more thing. Should should our listeners go and if they haven't already, Bruce, Dead Eye Me, are they gonna should they watch The Power of the Dog? Do you recommend The Power of the Dog on Netflix? Yeah, I do now. I do. It's amazing. I am shocked. That is a, a weird turn of events. Folks, tell us what you think of The Power of the Dog. More importantly, we'll see, not more importantly, just we'll see you next week on Find Your Film. We have a lot more movies to catch up with and to watch. And I'm sure as I'm speaking this, Bruce has already watched them. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>